This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3359 for Thursday, the 17th of June 2021. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws S01E32 Politicians and Artificial Intelligence Part 3N is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromic and is about 47 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, part 3 of the miniseries, on deep learning, politicians and other approaches, to intelligence or not. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets including fluffy little killer bunnies, you trust the guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. So welcome to Nick's In-Law Season 1 Episode 34, the one with the Framework. Martin, hmm. how are things? Things are wet, cold, and windy, as in a typical UK summer. <laughs> I see. Well, hang on, Martin. I just got a mail from the from the Metropolitan no, sorry, not Metropolitan, um Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police Force, yes. <laughs> 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 Who apparently squad on your case again, are they? <laughs> Like, who not only run all these all these pipelines? <laughs> <laughs> who not only run the government these days in the UK, but apparently are also in charge of the weather. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Excellent, that's what you need. <laughs> Metropolitan Office, well done. <laughs> Sorry, Metropolitan Police Force, well done. No, the Met Office yes got in touch and said that please tell Mr. Visser that as usual the summer won't happen before the thirteenth of August around twelve o'clock midday. <laughs> It's usually over by then. Um, No, you're confusing that with 1 p.m. on set date. (laughs) (laughs) There is a difference, you see. That's true, that's true. I thought I stopped a lot earlier than that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, jokes aside. Jokes aside, Um, indeed. How are you? 
<clears throat> um, not too bad. Well, the weather isn't great here either. So, um, okay. but, but apparently our, our summer is now planned for, sorry, between the July, sorry, be, be, between the, be, between July 30th and mm-hmm. August 22nd. So that gives us almost three weeks or something in contrast to an hour in the UK. Right. Yes. Um, but then you wanted, you did want to live in this country, Martin, right? Yeah, it's got um, the advantage of, of not so much lager and stuff like that. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we won't go. Um, yeah. w- w- wonderful weather. <laughs> uh, yes, we won't go down the avenue of lukewarm kid pads. <laughs> kid pads, exactly. <laughs> Cat pits for a change. Interesting. What's a kid pass? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good question. Sorry. Cat pits, mm. uh, also known as real ale. Camera, if you're listening, this show is about you. Yeah, you you're clearly um, <laughs> and your after futile... their sponsorship again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, your, and your futile attempts to introduce real beer to the world, which other people? No, 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 no. Consider. We don't want to introduce it to the world. It's um, they they don't appreciate quality like that. <laughs> quality. <laughs> Interesting. Do the cats know that you're taking away their piss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, before this derails any further. <laughs> yes. Well, we can always invite the, uh, the Grumpy Old Coast. <laughs> we want that. <laughs> yes, but they're busy tonight, so it's yeah. not an option. <laughs> Grumpies, if you're listening, <laughs> get in touch. Yeah. We need Indeed. you. <laughs> okay, uh, back to back to today's subject, which, which is, of course, the, th- the third installment, sorry, the third installment of the 27.64... <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's many uh, many, we, many years of parts, yeah, <laughs> parts of the mini series about artificial intelligence and other humorous aspects, mm-hmm. and this one will be about frameworks. Okay, maybe right. we should do a very re- quick recap for the two listeners who are not in the loop with with regards to what has been happening so far with our two superheroes in terms of what we do, what we did rather for the for the first two episodes. Wow, isn't it? Why don't you go first? <laughs> By all means. During the first episode, Martin tried to introduce the foundation of artificial intelligence without using maths. That, of course, was crowned by success. <laughs> tempted to say, <laughs> I'm almost tempted to say. No, jokes aside, in, in the first part of this of this miniseries, basically we tackled the theoretical foundation. So what are backpropagation networks, how they work in principle, what are the different entities that make up a backpropagation network and why they're important for, for deep machine learning. The second part introduced two major frameworks, namely TensorFlow and PyTorch, two infrastructure projects in the area of backpropagation networks. The idea behind these two frameworks is essentially to give you a programming model at your disposal so that you so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but rather can get started right away. Because most of them, for example, would provide a Python integration right out of the box. Hmm. Meaning that you can start to compose your layers uh, interconnect them, all the rest of it, with a few simple commands. This is the idea behind these kind of infrastructure layers known as TensorFlow and PyTorch. Did I forget anything? Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's been a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's a good full, time. Well full, done. Well done. Full, marks, full, yeah. full disclosure, Martin is over the age of 42. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, 42 is a good number. <clears throat> Sorry, anyway. 40, comma 2, exactly. <laughs> you know that, yeah. Anyway, let's not go into 42 today. Uh, no. time. Yes. Okay. And continuing in this kind of frame of thought, let's put it this way, hmm. there are, of course, additional frameworks on top of said PyTorch or Torch, for that matter, and, and TensorFlow. Okay. What are you particularly thinking of there? Though the old time, as, as in terms of at least my favorite, comes to mind, Keras. Okay. Why do you like Keras? And what's it do? Because that's the first one I met. The, uh, uh, ages ago, the, ages ago, yes. Traditionally, um, <laughs> indeed, very much so. Yes. Why do I like Keras? Until version, I think it was two point three, it supported multiple backends. After that, some, <laughs> if I if I say no moron, people will send nasty comments. So I won't say moron, but some it's, it's, steering it's, committee decided ah. <laughs> to just pick TensorFlow as the only available backend for Keras, which kind of limits. The infrastructure behind Keras a little bit, but the idea behind Keras is essentially to give you functionality on top of generic TensorFlow or, for that matter, other backpropagation network infrastructure frameworks prior to version 2.4. 2, 2. The idea is, for example, I mean, at the end of the day, machine learning is all about Pattern recognition and Keras is pretty good at something, for example, called image recognition. Say, well, there's other um, things you could use for that, but um, yeah, carry on. Ab absolutely. So, mm -hmm. and the idea behind image recognition, for example, if you want to spot or if you want to spot the difference between, say, a human and an animal, basically, you, you one of the easiest things, basically, to 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 do a friendship between these two um, beings is, is actually to, to take a look at their faces. Well, but that would require some intelligence, right? Well, hence the word deep learning or artificial intelligence, no? Mm -hmm. So the idea behind... Well, spotting... you, you, say, you say that, you say that, but uh, if we... Uh, if you remember, I don't know if we touched on this in one of the previous episodes, but... Um, um, in a way, the the deep learning yeah, the deep learning frameworks are very primitive in the way they learn, right? Compared to humans, and I think we may have touched upon that. That you'd have to feed them, you know, thousands and thousands of examples before you get a um, a decent uh, error rate out of them. And that was, of course, before Skynet three point hmm. <laughs> Well, you mean humans? <laughs> <laughs> no, generally speaking. Uh -huh. The the idea is basically if you want to spot the difference between say an animal and and a human being, all you have to do is being a somewhat intelligent entity, you have to take a look at their faces because human have a, have a certain what's what I'm looking for facial expression that you cannot find in 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 animals. Hmm. Plus the composition well, of said faces is different. Uh, I, I don't know. It seems like a very Odd thing to do. You may as well look at are they wearing any clothes, right? That's isn't that much easier. <laughs> That's a distinction. 
in that case, you would have to have access to the whole being just instead of a face. But sometimes you only have a, a certain part of of the of the ah, entity at hand. Okay, that's fair. So, mm -hmm. and if you get to choose, of course, your preference would be a face because humans have a face that is that is easily that is easily recognizable. You have oh, at least. I, I, no, no, I, why, why not go for the shoes? Because, you know, then you have a definite. <laughs> it's wearing shoes, it's a human. If it isn't, it's um, this is Martin's female <laughs> side, full disclosure. Martin, uh -huh. how many, how many shoes have you bought today? Just 20? No, I don't buy shoes very often since my feet are not growing anymore at my age. <laughs> now, if I was in um, uh, less than 20 years old, then I would be buying shoes on a frequent basis. <laughs> Yeah, but my, yeah. but Martin, I get all these complaints from your wife that actually your shoe collection is bigger than hers. That's uh, unlikely. <laughs> well, we won't go into the final details, but no, I have it in writing. Let's put it this way. <laughs> anyway, going back to the much more safer ground of, of facial recognition. For example, ah, two, facial recognition. Okay, yes. So, yeah. Humans have normally a nose. Humans have two pair of eyes. Humans also mm -hmm. have ears and humans have a mouth. Um, only yes, only people ever, only have one eye. Are they not human? <laughs> where we will, where we will go into the borderline <laughs> cases in a minute, Martin. <laughs> Bear with me. Sorry. If you take carry a, on, carry. if you take a look at the at the so-called animal kingdom, only a few, very few species come to mind that have a very, somewhat remotely similar fa uh, facial composition, namely uh, what are called primates. Uh -huh. uh, any other email, any other animal looks quite different. For example, oh. elephants have trunks. Well, um, and lots of them have fur as well, right? Yes. <laughs> Lions basically uh, have really different ears if you can see them at all, and so forth. So the idea is essentially with that pattern recognition stuff as an image recognition, what you want to do is actually you want to extract certain features. If these features then match a certain predefined pattern, you can derive by taking a look at the composition of said features that you have a certain class, um, a certain class of image right in front of you. And this is essentially how image recognition works. And for doing so, you need special layers in your bat propagation network. Okay, why um, is it special? Because you need a special, let's put it this way, configuration of layers. For example, for for something called feature extra feature extraction. The way it works essentially, if you have a bitmap, you simply start to extract shapes. If you progress this far enough. Essentially, you can match these extracted shapes against predefined patterns. Should these shapes to match to some extent, you can be sure that these shapes fall, especially it, with the shapes at a certain position of a predefined kind of form of the shape, that you have a certain class of animal right in front of you or entity, let's put it this way. And because of the different composition of the of these backpropagation layers, they have different sizes. The the connections are different. All the rest of it, they these are normally known as convolutional networks because 
the different layers in charge of feature extraction, feature composition, feature recognition, that sort of thing, are composed differently. Different sizes, different uh, connectivity between the layers and all the rest of it. You will you will find the links in the show notes with regards to further um, further details because we want to keep this to a four-hour length uh, with regards mm. to the overall episode. Uh, we, I won't go into the details. There is actually a case for using those types of applications, not just for image data, um, but using um, whichever data set you have and representing that as an image because those networks are tend to be quite well performing at um, at, the, at a certain tasks which can be represented even in an image. For example, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the fraud detection use case for mouse movement. As a matter um, of fact, I'm not. Why don't you? Why don't you do a little bit of explaining? Actually, that sounds very I, interesting. I can do some explaining. Right. Please. So, if you track the coordinates of people's mouse movements, you can imagine that as a picture in front of you over time. Right. So, lots of lines where the mouse moves up and down, left and right, and so on. Um, and just if you, sorry, yeah. Martin, just checking. This, is this PETA compliant? Say again. I. It's is this PETA compliant if you move your mouse? Uh, well, if you have a mouse, yeah, why not? PETA rings a bell. It's this animal protection organization. So if, so if you want to move your mouse very often, <laughs> you want to make sure that this is PETA compliant, no? Well, well if, you, if you're using that kind of mouse, you probably want to fit it with a tracker so that you can make sure it's your mouse with um, ah. <laughs> machine learning based no. on its movements. <laughs> no, we're getting somewhere, Martin. Please do continue. Yes. Anyway. So uh, that, that's one of them, right? So uh, use the plot the mouse movements as an image and use your image uh, uh, methods to recognize whether it fits previous behaviors for um, that user. Um, so that's one. And there was another one. What's the advantage of tracking mouse movements apart from having PETA on your breathing down your back? No, no, the, the advantage is that everybody has very unique mouse movements based on... Um, ah, so this is user identification. Yes, 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 yes. Instead of extracting eyeballs and, and, and tracking them and stuff and whatever. Yes, but the, the point is that the the mouse movements can be represented as an image over time, right? So you, you have um, you can imagine okay. a picture with lines um, of set, set movements because they're just coordinates, right, on a... On a grid. Indeed, uh, yes. Um, yeah, so, and so this is uh, something that, yeah, interestingly enough, um, people used to build all sorts of different, uh, you know, uh, systems to try and do uh, fraud detection on, say, mass movements, not based on images where someone had the clever idea to uh, shove it in an image <laughs> um, recognition. Uh, uh, method instead and found that it's performed a lot better than any of the previous ones. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, and used a back propagation network infrastructure for this. Indeed, indeed. You know which one? Uh, I don't know, top of my head. I think they actually had um they had created some IP around it and started the company and all sorts of stuff around. So it's, so, so it's not exactly open source. 
No, no, but we're not specifically talking about open source today, are we? Um, uh. Uh, and another one you can consider is um, if you, I think someone did some research in the area of, of malware, malware. And um, again, if you, um, you can imagine your, uh, your, your, uh, your zeros and one as a binary uh, picture, right? You can mm-hmm. just turn your bits on and off. And again, um, when people uh, investigate it or, or, or research this area, they found that um, uh, using the image recognition on the uh, so the, 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 the image representation of the actual bits and bytes of that mole <laughs> was uh, quite successful compared to lots of other methods that they used before. So it, um, yeah. So uh, as a kind of side note, it, there are a lot of ways that you can think about to represent something as an image and use the, the image recognition once um, networks for purposes of um, obviously through the training that you want to get out of it. But uh, yeah, makes sense. It does indeed. And I mean, the the beauty with kind of these more abstract frameworks like Keras running on top of your PyTorches on top of your TensorFlows is, of course, mm-hmm. they provide you with an with an with an abstraction there, with an infrastructure abstraction. Let's put it this way, that you would otherwise have to do yourself. For example, using Keras mm-hmm. convolutional networks, as in how to define them, how to implement them in TensorFlow, come come with the come with the framework. Mm-hmm. So this is essentially just a few API calls, and then you have your convolutional network built including the feature extraction and, and all the rest of it. With plain TensorFlow or with plain PyTorch, the implementation effort would be quite higher because you would have to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, do you have any other uh, ones apart from Keras that you can think of? Uh, there, 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 there's quite a few. This is a links will be in the show notes. Okay. But all of them basically have their different advantages, different disadvantages. The reason, basically, why I'm, as I said, why I mentioned Keras is that mm-hmm. it runs on TensorFlow and it used to also run on PyTorch natively. And these would be the most, the two most prominent backpropagation infrastructures currently used in the industry with regards to deep learning, machine learning, all the rest of it. I mean, there are quite a few other approaches, just to name a few, if I recall them, if I can recall them kind of correctly. Um, For example, there's a Apache project called MXNet Mm. that gives you similar functionality, like uh, convolution networks. And and other stuff. Of course, there are there there are also other approaches like recurring uh, recurrent nets. Mm -hmm. You have what are they called again? Deep leaf networks. Um, okay. You have. I don't know that one. Uh, why, why, why do we uh, why do we need to recur network? It, it, it's a, it's a it's a typical set of of pattern recognition that is modeled by recur by recurrent networks pretty well. Okay, and this is because uh, a, a convolutional network doesn't store any state. Or... 
it boils down to how the how the individual neurons or or the how the individual modeled entities reflecting neurons are composed. Taking this into the onto that technical level of detail probably would confuse most listeners. So the show notes will contain links to a level of more detail that you're happy to take a look at if so required. Mm-hmm. And a deep belief network is essentially an an, an extension of a of a of a um What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the deep, deep, deep leaf network. <laughs> it's, uh, um, uh, of, of a neural network, essentially, that covers particularly uh, that, that, that covers a particular set of use cases. Okay. Uh, yes, it's it basically uh, it's good at a particular set of classifications. Again, details will be in the show notes. Okay. <clears throat> so different. The point that I'm making here is that different deep learning frameworks. Mm-hmm. cover different aspects like mm. some of them implement deep belief networks some of them implement convolutional networks some of them or most of them basically would would implement recurrent nets mm. so the idea is essentially as usual if you have a particular use case at hand simply take a look at of mm. at the Indeed. at the technology that that's fitting your 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 thing and then just go for it mm-hmm. <clears throat> the yeah. thing is oh, so go ahead Mark. Sorry, sorry. Uh, do you want to finish what you're saying? Um, the thing, of course, is that the emerging standards are pretty much tied PyTorch and TensorFlow. Mm, indeed. Because, for example, if you take a look at cloud environments, most of them would support one or another out of the box. You get something called TPUs as, as in TensorFlow processing units and something called Google. Microsoft has something similar and other hyperscalers, please check the offerings if you're so inclined, <laughs> also support TensorFlow and PyTorch out of the box. Yep. Yeah. So, so as you say, there is obviously a, uh, or obviously there is a, uh, depending on what you need uh, from, uh, in terms of use case application, you're going to look for, um, but most of these frameworks will support your um, CNNs, RNNs, etc. If you want to do image recognition, or if you want to do generating text or music or whatever it is you want to do, then um, you need to look at what which one is the best one, um, and so on. But yeah, we've spoken about that in the first episode, right? About the typical applications and yes, and so on. Um, okay. What what is of course important? Most of them actually would offer an interface to something called Python. Given the fact that this is rapid, this is a, that this is a programming language rapidly evolving as one of the premier choices for machine learning and big mm. data in general. Things like notebooks and all the rest of it yeah. are readily available for the majority of these frameworks. So it's fair to say with with Python you have a head start when using them. Hmm, definitely. <clears throat> um to be frank, I can't think of any other well, there was um yeah. Some years ago people used to use uh different types of software right before the um the more uh, recent rise of, of um, uh, the PyTorches and the TensorFlows, but um, that, that was all, be- all. Yeah, 
Yeah, that it was, was a bit more bespoke, right? And that was more like Skynet 1.0, right? Hmm, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um now I guess yeah. So, yeah, sorry, I won't mention the hardware in this case, but uh, since we were on a Why not? Well we're on a on a framework um uh, uh, episode, aren't we? <laughs> Martin, if you want to plug Nvidia, that's fine by me. Just no, 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 go no, ahead. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to plug Nvidia. But, so, um, what's interesting is that um, um, and, and Nvidia, if you're listening, there's a special email address for you. It's called ooh. Nvidia underscore dot sponsoring at linuxinlaws.eu. <laughs> Feel free to get in touch if you want to send us money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, NVIDIA are obviously the biggest um, uh, GPU manufacturer in the world, I think. Yeah, that's probably got to be true, isn't it? Uh, uh, Intel are trying a bit, but um, the likes of Google, as you say, have built their, their TPUs, right, for... Uh, but I mean, this, hang this on, purpose. Martin. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're counting built-in GPUs into the SoC, I reckon yeah, Intel has a head yeah, start here, no? True, true, true. Um, well, I don't know. There is a... Um, distinct uh, takeover, or not takeover, but Intel is on the decline, right? Because Apple built his M1 and AMD <laughs> is, is um, <coughs> AMD is doing quite well with his Threadripper CPUs and so on, which are Intel is on the decline, okay. So have you sold your share, the Intel shares, Martin? I don't have any. You don't? No, now, of course, because you've sold them all, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I see. The, I put this all in NVIDIA now. Uh, Very good, Martin. Smart move. Yeah. Intel, if, a, if, if I, you're I've listening... I've RNN on it beforehand. <laughs> Intel, if, if you're listening, the email address, Intel underscore sponsoring at Linux in Los Angeles is no longer valid. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. If they, if they email us, we could do a special episode on... Uh, how they are turning everything around and becoming the, the chip manufacturer of the future. <laughs> well, Martin, I wouldn't go as far as, as, as ruling them out completely yet. I mean, they still have a kind of marginalized right for existence now. <laughs> yes, no, it's very true. I mean, I don't... Yeah, I think all my stuff runs on Intel. Yeah. I mean, yes. Mm. Especially if given Maybe the fact I that can't afford a threat ripper, but there we go. <laughs> especially given the fact that not all hyperscalers actually use M1s in their in their cloud environments. Not yet anyway. Apple, well, if you're listening, hmm. <clears throat> your stuff is just too expensive. If you lower the prices, the hyperscalers might be tempted to take a look at you. But at the moment forget about it. Oh, it's always gonna to be too expensive, isn't it? It's um Well it's Apple, right? Yes. Uh, overpriced bling. So. <laughs> exactly, it's marketing. Just to get a bit of iPhone snipers. <laughs> oh, working marketing. <laughs> For change. Yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, well done. Um, right, where were we? Yes, Apple. The there. email address to use is <laughs> apple underscore sponsoring at limitsinlaws.eu <laughs> in case you want to get in touch or something. I don't know. And yes, of course, we will review some of your kit if you just send a decent spec to us. Yeah. Uh, decent spec that would be an M1, um, a terabyte of, of this, of this drive and at least a terabyte of main memory. Hmm. So we could do something with the machine. Yeah. Unlike this running the OS. Yeah. 
Um, Indeed. Good thinking. Uh, please, please make sure that you do not send this before the fourth quarter, so we can we so we can actually put Linux on it, because um, the uh, the chip support is just entering the kernel now. Oh, cool. <laughs> this is Needless to say, because we don't want to run OS X on that machine. <laughs> not, not ideally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so we digressed a bit, but um, yes, indeed. Back to the topic at hand. The topic at hand. Where were we? Uh, um, I think frameworks on top of web propagation infrastructures. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. Right, so you mentioned image recognition for Keras. What else can you do with Keras? Well, any any part and any any pattern recognition comes to mind, right? Is that uh, its main? Um... I mean, you mentioned you mentioned fraud detection. Yes, mm. I mean at the end of the day, if you're looking at organized crime doing fraud detection, it's all about pattern recognition because you want to correlate single incidents. Okay. At the end of the day. Take a look at a credit card fraud. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you use the same credit card number, say, simultaneously in Singapore, Berlin, and New York, there's little point at looking at the individual transactions in isolation. Only if you correlate the timestamps, as in if you identify a pattern, you can detect credit card fraud on a grand scale. Because... It's that sort of timestamp association that gives you that pattern that actually a credit card has been a credit card number has been stolen and is used simultaneously all over the shop or as in planet. Mm-hmm. So your argument here is that rather than having a rule-based um, system that has a built-in uh, compare timestamps for transactions scenario, which is one way of doing it, you would have a, uh, instead, use your machine learning model to determine patterns on all sorts of different uh, attributes of these types of transactions. Absolutely, because credit card numbers, as maybe a few listeners know, are allocated in blocks based on geographies, based on credit card companies and all the rest. And throughout this really home, this message if you can predict, actually, based on certain pattern, the next fraud, you can fraud incident. You can actually send the cops to that to to that location before the fraud actually happens. Hmm. Didn't someone make a movie <clears throat> out of that? Yeah, yeah. It, it it used to be the case, but Mastercard, <laughs> Visa, for the finer details, please get in touch. I'm sure we can work something out on a commercial level. Yeah, yeah. it's called (laughs) Minority Report, isn't it? That movie. Yeah, Yeah, but that's 20 years old, no? It seems to have been implemented by Mastercard in real life. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, What about something like um, SkyKit Learn? What's this? Well, it's a very kind of popular. uh, framework on top of Python that people use uh, instead of, say, Keras. I only know Keras, Martin. Why don't you explain the whole thing a little bit? Well, it's just, it's just something that a lot of Python people, um, or not uh, data scientists that I talk to, they tend to say, we use that. And, um, but if you knew why. I don't. Okay. Uh, no, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will ask the question okay. next time. Yeah, but um, 
I think it's more, you know, it's a toolkit to do many of those tasks that you mentioned, like classification and, and okay. clustering. And it, again, it's it's a it's a Python uh, on top of Python, uh, including. I mean, you must know about SciPy now. Of course. Yeah. So it's it's using SciPy, using NumPy, all kinds of stuff like that. It's just kind of a yeah a, a big library of of things that mm. you can use to do your machine learning. Um, I see. Hmm. And using you know the, the the underlying some of the underlying existing stuff like like SciPy and Matplotlib and stuff like that. That's already uh, and NumPy, of course. Yeah. Hmm. Um, putting it all together in one handy library for machine learning. Interesting. The links the links, of course, will be in the show notes. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's uh, that's I've spoken to a few people recently, and that's the one that they tend to look at first before they go anywhere else. Okay. Um, but um so this is the hipster code, not Keras anymore. Okay. Well I, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it's a small sample I've spoken to, so <laughs> who knows, right? It depends on who you speak to, Martin. I mean if these are the movers and the shakers of the industry, you might be onto something. Yes, yeah, that's true. Well I mean obviously um certain certain companies dealing with GPUs <laughs> <laughs> Making something on top of that are uh, the, the future, and, as you mean. Until until <laughs> that swindle blows. <laughs> 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 Counting <laughs> any minute now. <laughs> Can't be too long now, can it? What, so are you saying that nobody's going to use Redis anymore? <laughs> no, I'm talking about this this GPU database swindle. Well, I think, uh, I don't know, NVIDIA's got a pretty big market cap these days, right? I don't know what it is, but um, I think they're doing pretty well. There are clearly benefits to using GPUs, specifically for machine learning. Absolutely. Hmm. Never mind doing SQL database queries. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yes, who needs no SQL? It's all this old, old this is rubbish, stuff. exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the real SQL stuff, of course. Yes. 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 Um, All those. Forget about this newfangled no SQL stuff. Exactly. It's not, but not, be, not that new anymore, right? So. But be, before we derail this episode even further, I think we should okay. wrap this up. No. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Good plan. Um, many links in the show notes. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, before we do that, uh, what is your uh, where, where do you use any of this in your in your infrastructure? I can't really talk about it because that yeah. would imply that each and every listener would sign, would sign a, in a separate NDA as a non-disclosure agreement. So to, uh, these two <laughs> listeners out there, please, 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 send you find details. an NDA, yes. <laughs> please, please, yeah. yeah, get in touch. The email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Please send your details to feedback at, in, at linuxinlaws.eu. We send you an NDA and then we can talk about this. Sorry, mm. I can talk about this. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Sounds like a good result. Uh, so you don't use it for anything you can talk about. That sounds good. That I can talk about. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, we had a previous episode on the uh, speech recognition, right? So um, that's yes. obviously one application. It's a bit difficult doing a um, uh, a podcast on image recognition. <laughs> so we won't do that one, but uh, yeah, yes. uh, it is another um, application that I use it for. <laughs> Do we want to tease the final episode of this 27-part miniseries, Martin? 
before we wrap this up in terms of in terms of boxes and stuff. If you like, if you like. Sorry, the question was if you want to tease, as in the emphasis is on Martin. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I want to tease it. Okay. Yes. Well, so yes, okay. Now this is obviously aimed at a hundred percent of our audience. <laughs> All two of you. Um, yeah, episode twenty-seven will be a hmm, um, a podcast on image recognition. Uh, Does it? Where, will where it? You, okay. Where, where, where you cannot see anything. <laughs> Very good, Martin. Very good. <laughs> that that will bring but down all, to our listeners. All, all, all will be clear. <laughs> yes, yeah. that will bring down our listenership to one listener. Fair enough. <laughs> well, no. Okay, so the reverse process is also possible, right? So you can represent sounds as images, which people do to do uh, speech True. recognition. Um, yes. So you can also do the reverse, right? You can turn an image into sound, but then it may be just some noise. Be, be 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 prepared for an hour of noise. <laughs> Excellent. Or more Excellent. noise than usual. <laughs> which not which nicely lead, leads us to the poxes, of course, and the poxes, poxes being the poxes yes. of the weeks. Yes. So yes. so Martin, what's your pox? My pox of the week is live on Mars. Is there live on Mars? No, it is a television series. Ah, sorry, sorry. Okay. Which is quite amusing. It's a few years old, but I've never seen it yet. And um it is now available on something called BBC iPlayer. What is uh, BBC yeah. iPlayer? BBC iPlayer is the streaming service by the BBC. Ah, uh, that probably will require a British IP address, right? It does require a British IP address, but they're not, <coughs> they, those are not hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, VPN um, providers, if you want to get in touch, the <laughs> yes. address is sponsors at yes. in Lost <laughs> First one that sponsors, we will name your name. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what about what about yourself? Oh, I haven't told you what it's about. Anyway, no, um, just go ahead. Yes. Uh, well, you, you may like this. Anyway, it's it's about a story about a guy who is a policeman in current day time, and he has a car accident, and when he wakes up or thinks he wakes up, he is in 1973, um, and. So the uh, end of the story isn't clear yet, but so the question is, is he in a coma? Has he really gone back in time or is he on Mars? I'm not sure where the Mars connection comes in yet, but it's <laughs> um, is, is a really good story because it's kind of um, 1970s policing in the UK uh, depicted very well. So it's, it's quite amusing that way. And how exactly does Mars feature in, in the whole thing? I don't know yet. I haven't got that. I've only done series. Ah, so okay. I, don't, I don't have the answer Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, listeners, if you're listening, <clears throat> don't send feedback on this or I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the email address, um, listeners, to send <laughs> that sort of feedback to is teaser at. <laughs> yes, don't send Martin it to the normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, indeed. In a minute, so that Martin okay. can enjoy the full. <laughs> <laughs> End of uh, rest of the episodes without having to watch them, so that's always appreciated. <laughs> of course, my yes, my my pox would be a living under Snickers or um, living next to Twix or something. <laughs> um, no, yes, maybe. No, I'm I'm not uh, eating that many Mars bars at the moment. I don't know about for, you. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> some people get the pun, some don't. That's okay, no worries. No, it's actually a movie called Limitless. 
where a guy called Bradley Cooper sounds vaguely familiar. His his real name now, not the character he portrays, plays a guy who, after a certain indulgence uh, for of a specific drug, changes his life. Let's put it this way. Uh, What's it called? Limitless. It's about I think at least ten or fifteen years old. I think I might it's have seen this. Quite funny actually in, in certain in certain yeah, in certain parts. And yeah. for example, it teaches you how to bang your land your, your your the wife of your landlord by just remembering certain law books. Uh for the rest of the um details, please check out the movie. Of course links will be in the show notes. Mm. It's quite as I said, it's quite funny. It and it tells a story about how to broaden your mind by chemistry. Let's 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 leave it at that. Ah, are you um, looking for sponsorship by the cartel? Eh? <laughs> That's already in place. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Forever. And with that, of course, we feedback is always welcome. Oh, Negative, wait. positive, yes, doesn't matter. Even and, on Mars, um, Snicker, and Twix. Hmm? The email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. We would like to thank, as usual, HPR as in Hacker Public Radio for hosting us. And can, if you're listening, I'm sure you will, uh, apologies if the infrastructure screwed it up recently or will be fixed, I hope, during the next upload. Did you break something? I normally do, yes. Okay. Uh, you were doing some QA testing of Hacker Public Indeed, Radio. Indeed, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we probably end there before you expire. So. Yes. <laughs> Expiration is soon. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and see you, see you next time. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margot, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. Yeah, so. Shall we get this going? Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. What are we doing today? <laughs> Talk about nonsense as usual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, so uh, Intel's market cap is 226 billion. And what's bigger, NVIDIA or Intel? Mm, I'm tempted to say IBM. IBM. I didn't yes. ask for IBM. <laughs> but that's my personal opinion.
At the end, I, do they still exist? Oh, it's because they, they yes, they do. Yeah, yes, okay. they do. But they, they, oh they no, do. no, they're even smaller. Wow, IBM is the Sm- smaller than smaller than Intel. Smaller than Intel, and Intel is smaller than Nvidia. There you go. By what? Two dollars? Maybe no, three? Right. So Intel is one hundred thirty <coughs> billion, roughly. Sorry, no, uh, IBM. Intel two twenty six, and Nvidia is three something or other. 360. There you go. So, yeah. And the reason for this is that NVIDIA bought back quite a significant amount of shares. I don't know about that. <laughs> because <laughs> I, if, I, if, I, if I'm you not, do I'm this... I'm not in charge of the finances, <laughs> I'm glad to say. <laughs> because if you do this, basically shares come more expensive, that of course will create, yeah. will increase the market cap. Oh, where have I heard this before? Hmm. <laughs> Certain Michael no, Dell, if you're listening, it circle, still works. <laughs> circle No SQL database comes to mind as well. <laughs> um, Does it now? Okay. Yeah, not 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 the one that you work for. <laughs> no, because they have they have noted yet, Martin. Well, they don't spotted. have any shares. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.